You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Oh, yeah, boys. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. How do we like our martial arts? We like them mixed! Oh, yes. It's that time. What is up, my friends? We appreciate you for joining us on this, the final MMA fighting preview show of the year. Yes, this is the UFC Vegas 66 preview show here on MMA fighting. My name is Sean Oshadi, and I'm joined by the gang. You already know we got the man with the best tattoos in MMA. He just came off. I think he has like another 40 on his leg right now that he just got. Mm-hmm. He is Jose Young's. Yo, we got the Prince of Positivity, the man in the north, the king in the north, Alexander Kaylee. New, what new up? background for AK, too. This is all very exciting. Uh, temporary. And, and of course, <laughs> the undefeated EKC Lane, man in the boards. And also, you guys as well. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, oh, I like that. That was nice, Casey. Uh, we are going to jump to all of it. We're going to feel your questions, comments later on in the show. But first, let's get rally- rolling, fellas, because we have a lot to get to. As I said, there has been, I think, 41 UFC events this year. Uh, so 41 up, 41 down in 2022. We finally have landed here. Number 42, or I'm sorry, number 42 right here. The year-end send-off, the final show of the year. Uh, and it's not exactly some stacked pay-per-view like we get some years. But you know what, AK? It's also really not that bad either. Actually, like in a sneaky way, there is a lot to like here. You've been known to rate cards every now and then. You dabble, you could say. Uh, what's the gymnastic scale for you for UFC Vegas 66 this weekend? 
I was pretty harsh on 282. I gave it like a degree of difficulty, like 8.5, 8.6. And I think a lot of people were thrilled with how that card turned out. So they would, I don't know if they would rate that card like afterwards a nine or something, but I actually think it just kind of hit, it hit its peak with having like a bunch of finishes and, um, you know, and then it kind of faltered obviously at the top with, with two fights that weren't bad, but left a bad taste in people's mouths for various reasons. So uh, this card... I like it. I just don't know if I can like go into the nine range. It's like it's not I feel like it's not quite, you know, like nine is like the the, the minimum for a pay-per-view. So I don't think it's like quite at a pay-per-view level, but it's not a bad fight. It's 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 a good fight. It's a really solid fight. So I'll go a little higher than 282 because 282, you know, got hurt by a lot of changes and stuff. But I'll go higher than 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 a pay than that pay-per-view. Let's say 8.8. Everything goes well. Degree of difficulty for this card, uh, 8.8. I I like the lineup. 8.8. 8.8. I mean, is it is it the main event holding you back? Because it feels like this is a very deep card, deeper than I think we usually get on these weekends. I just think that, like uh, cards like this where we like the, like I like the matchmaking, but com- making good competitive matches doesn't always make for super exciting fights. If that makes sense, like people, for example, people love 282 because there was a lot of finishes. But to me, a lot of finishes on any card, um, yeah, it means the fight the fighters are good, but it also sometimes means we may have been given some some mismatches. Because uh, again, you can go to any regional show, like look at any 10, 12 fight regional show. If you want to see finishes, you'll see like. 75% of the fights and it finishes every time because it's just the, the talent gap is usually so big and that shouldn't happen at the UFC level but it does we saw some of that at 282 um, which again was a really fun card I'm just I'm just reminding people like just because you see a lot of finishes it doesn't make it an amazing card and the same thing with this uh, card I don't know if we're going to see a lot of finishes necessarily on Saturday and that doesn't make it a bad card but I could see people you know going like oh my gosh like three or four decisions in a row and even if they're like good competitive fights kind of like rolling their eyes and like tuning out that's just that's just kind of how uh, how it is watching MMA made these days yeah that's fair that's fair uh jose we're gonna jump around a lot today because as we said there's a lot to talk about but let's start obviously with this main event jared cannonier sean strickland we have the middleweights mm-hmm. on the marquee this weekend uh these guys have both been out since july they both last fought at ufc 276 it's actually kind of funny that we're getting this matchup because it's really this springboards that the stepping stones that sort of led us to izzy versus Pereira three uh, and so if you look at our rankings on the website on MMA Fighting, this is number five versus number 11. What do you make a, of this matchup, Poser? Do you like it? What's at stake here for 185? Just what's your overall look at, at what we're dealing with? Yeah, I liked this fight from this because they actually made this fight themselves. I'm pretty sure Sean Strickland like posted something on Instagram and or vice versa. One, one of these two gentlemen posted something on Instagram and the other one commented in the Instagram comments. is like, hey, you want to fight next? And they were like, all right, so then that's how this fight was made. So anytime two gentlemen want to fight and the UFC actually makes the fight, and I actually do think this fight makes sense considering Sean Strickland, if he had been Alex Pereira, was probably going to fight Israel Adesanya for the championship, and Jared Cannonier had just fought Israel Adesanya for the championship. Uh, Jared, if he wins, is not going to get the next title shot. If Sean Strickland wins, he's not going to get the next title shot because that's obviously probably going to be the rematch between Pereira and Adesanya. So... I like this fight. Uh, both of these gentlemen seem to want to fight. They want to stay active. Sean Strickland seems down to fight any human being in the world. Uh, Jared Cannonier obviously wants to keep his name in the headlines. Sean Strickland, as several middleweights have said, they were down to fight him. Uh, I think it was uh, Drickus Duplessis. They asked, like, would you be interested in fighting the winner of Cannonier Strickland? He goes, I'd be interested in Strickland because he makes my name bigger. Like, he just brings more eyes. Eyeball. So for Jared, this is a good matchup. For Sean Strickland, this is a good matchup. I think this matchmaking makes sense. Both of them have headlined in the past. I know there's other fights on the card that I think 
collectively we're more interested in in terms of the actual two the actual fight itself but i don't have a problem with this being the main event considering one just fought for a title and the other one has several uh main events under his belt yeah i mean ak let's bring you back in here i mean at this point it feels like we have a really good sense right of who these guys are at 185 this is not some new up-and-comers this is not you know a, a testing ground a proving type of matchup this we, these are two fairly established guys you have a lot of experience a lot of game tape to study between these two men they both headlined events who's a bigger intrigue to you still sort of here at 185 because it is a very new 185 right this is not the old 185 pound division that we were talking about it, it feels very new and refreshed uh with the new champion obviously at the helm it's hard to say that either guy carries too much intrigue, to be honest. Like, uh, I, I don't mean to, to crap on the main event, but we'll get into like sort of I think there's some other fights in the card that are why we're sort of saying this is one of, you know, why this is a fine fight night to, to end the year. The main event is OK. It's two legitimately ranked guys. I think they're I assume they're both top 10 in the UFC. Uh, I know Cannoneer is top five in the MMA fighting global rankings and uh, as Sean Strickland, just outside the top 10. So um, like as far as credentials go, good stuff stylistically on papers. Seems like a good matchup. Both guys with pretty decent stand-up skills. But you mentioned like that we kind of know these two guys. We kind of have an impression of them. Um, and I think that's what's taken a little bit of the excitement out of it. As like I think we know them almost too well. I think we've seen we see a ceiling for both these fighters. And I hate to judge fighters just by like, oh, will this person ever be a champion? Because I mean, there's so many other metrics by which to judge, you know, what how fun a fighter is and how much we enjoy watching a fighter. But both these guys have kind of had uh, their kick at the can in a way. Ken and Nier just coming off the fight with uh, Israel Adesanya, and it sucks because that's probably the most watched fight he's ever had. And it was just it was a bit of a stink bomb. It wasn't a great performance uh, on his part or on. Uh, Oh, I think it was fine for Israel Edison, yeah, but not a great performance for Jared Cannonier. Um, and Sean Strickland fought Alex Pereira, who's the champion now, and just got completely like smashed. So I don't know if this on paper, you just look at the rankings next to their, uh, the numbers next to their names. This should have some sort of title implications, but I think we kind of know it doesn't. And and I, I think a lot of us are doubtful that um, as long like even though Pereira is a new champion, maybe that means Cannonier, uh, you know, gets another shot. Maybe Strickland can talk his way into another shot at Pereira, or Pereira loses the belt, and then and then Strickland can uh, fight whoever the champion is down the road. Um, it doesn't feel like there's a lot on the line in that aspect. So I, I would implore people if they're trying to find like intrigue in this fight, it's definitely not in you know where where the winner might go after because I don't think there's a direct line for them to, to get to the title at any point. But you know just enjoy the stylistic matchup and uh this clash of uh certainly distinct personalities i guess to put it nicely yeah i mean jose you're someone who i think always has a very good broader sense of the bigger picture and what what certain fights mean do you agree with ak i mean at this point it feels like this middleweight division obviously we're gonna have the rematch between izzy and Pereira at some point down the line in february it looks like ostensibly we're going to get Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker. That feels like a very important fight for the division as well. What does this one mean in the grand scheme for you? Do, do, is there any sort of contention on the line? Is it just a, a hold your place type of matchup? What is this one? I think it's a hold your place fight this month because we we have other middleweight fights happening too we have obviously uh imavov versus kelvin gastelum drinkers duplicy just fought we just they just announced roman delice is fighting uh marvin vittori so these are all top 10 top 15 middleweights that are now booked up obviously if you throw hamza shemaev in there that's also interesting whether paulo Costa actually fights robert whitaker is also interesting too so i think this is a hold your place 
because once we get through February, we'll have a better picture of matchups that we can make, or even March, because is I believe Delice and Vittoria is happening in London. So and we don't even have a date for the middleweight title fight rematch between Pereira and Israel Adesanya. So this is a hold your place this month after February, may, even after January, we'll start to get a better picture. Uh, Sean Strickland will probably, if he wins, actually win or lose, Sean Strickland will probably want to stay active. So even if he loses and they want to make that Drickus Duplessis fight, so be it. Uh, Chris Curtis obviously just came off a big win too. So those are other top 15 middleweights in the UFC ranking, I'm assuming. Um, so, But for right now, Sunday morning, whoever wins, this is a... This is a hold your place, and the winner will probably fight someone else in the top five after March or February, whenever. Yeah, it's it's hard to see it any other way, right? This is this division's sort of in a holding pattern until we can figure out uh, what's going on at the top and, and sort of get these matchups booked and, and ready to go, especially with the Paulo Costa thing, depending on which cool. direction that goes. Also, apologies for my internet. I don't know why Cox uh, Communication decides now to to crap out on me in the middle of all of this, but apologies for that. AK, let's let's throw it to you, man. I mean, when you look at this matchup, what are you leaning? How do you, how do you see this going playing out on Saturday? And I actually think this is a kind of a nice bounce back uh, matchup. I mean, maybe for both guys, but really for Strickland, like maybe I I need to I'm working on predictions as we as we speak. Maybe I need to break down sort of like the intricacies of their striking a little more. But I just really like the high volume game of Strickland. Uh, I lean that way a lot in a lot of fights, um, unless we're talking again, like you're dealing with an Alex Pereira where one guy has like one shot, you know, KO power and the other guy's a little more you know, pitter patter, um, then I'll lean towards the power guy. But in this case, Kanier has knockout power for sure. Very dangerous. Um, but that pressure of Strickland, man, it's, it's tough to beat. And I, I'll admit I was very influenced by a uh, stat. I saw tweeted out by statistician Richard Mann earlier today. Uh, he noted Jared Kanier has gone two and four in fights that go to decision. The UFC has been outlanded in five of those six fights. So four of his UFC losses have come by way of decision now, those fights were losses to uh, Izzy, Robert Whitaker, Jan Blakovich, and uh, Glover Teixeira. So no shame there. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe people would not put Sean Strickland in that tier. I certainly wouldn't. But I do think there's a pattern of uh, people who are sort of able to outwork getting a decision off of them. So it uh, would not surprise me to see a, a uh, cannon or knockout for sure. But I think this goes to a decision. And if that's the case, I lean towards Sean Strickland. Jose, you see it the same way? I think Jared will get this done. Sean Strickland is obviously very good at what he does, and that's walking forward and, and marching people down. But of all the people that uh, Alex uh, AK just just mentioned, like the Glove to Share, the Israel Adesanya, the Robert Whitakers, like those guys can put you to sleep uh, or they can just overpower you with volume. I don't think Sean Strickland has the knockout power that everyone else, especially like Glover, and like Dominic Ray has knocked out Jared Kennedy, if I remember correctly. So, Sean, of all the names, if you were to rank them, I would put Sean Strickland at the bottom in terms of power. Uh, Jared Kennedy was also losing to Derek Brunson before he dribbled his head off the canvas with his elbow. Uh, if he can take Sean Strickland down and kind of control him uh, like he did, who and Derek Brunson is a much better wrestler than Sean Strickland, I think Jared will get it done. I, I see him, especially with five rounds to work. I could very feasibly see a world where Jared Kenner finishes him in the third or fourth round. I don't think Sean Strickland is going to frustrate him like Israel Adesanya did. I think 
the power that Israel Adesanya had obviously plays a factor when you're fighting him. And that's why everyone talks about like you kind of get lost in there with Israel because you're trying to find a hole, an opening. But if you do find the opening, there's always the danger of getting put to sleep like Paulo Costa or Robert Whitaker. I don't think Sean Str- I don't think Jared Cannonier is going to approach Sean Strickland quite the same. I think he's a guy that could power forward just like Sean with power. So I'm going to pick Jared Cannonier either third or fourth round stoppage. Yeah, I think I, I lean towards where you're you're seeing this, Jose, because I, to me, the 25 minutes feels like the key, right? Like this, if this was a 15-minute fight, I feel as if I would favor Strong, Sean Strickland. But with 25 minutes to work and, and Jared Cannonier having just come off, I think, a performance that all of us, even himself, would probably describe as very listless. Um, and I'm sure he has a lot of regrets about not maybe trying to push the action more and, and try to be more aggressive and, and try to make his own, uh, you know, decide his own fate in that in that Izzy fight rather than just sort of leaning back and, and letting it happen come to him I would be stunned if he was able to if he went out there and had a repeat type of performance where he just let somebody outwork him for 25 minutes without really pushing the issue so that's I, I see it the same as you Jose I, I lean towards Jared Cannonier maybe like a third or fourth round stoppage something late uh, but ultimately we shall see it is an interesting matchup nonetheless but there are more interesting matchups on this cards in my opinion so let's move on let's keep it moving because as i said we have a lot to get to and i want to talk about the people's main event because this co-main event is really delightful to me it's Mm. one that illustrates why 155 is the best division in the damn sport and just how deep this whole division is Mm -hmm. armand sarukia versus demir ismagulov number five versus number 15 on our rankings two of the most intriguing up-and-comers in the ufc's lightweight class i would say sarukian's five and one over his last six and i think a lot of people think that it should have been six and oh and then ismagulov is five and oh jose on the surface do you like this matchmaking because i do as much as i like this fight it, it pains me to continue to see these young up-and-coming lightweights fight each other rather than the more ingrained people in this division i really like the fight as a fight but it's the same thing as when Gamrot fought Sarukian. It just felt like it felt like that happened because, like you said, no one in the top what seven, five to seven, are willing to risk their spot. Like Armin Sarukian versus like Poirier or Gaethje or Fazeev or any of these cats. That's a scrap. Same as Ismagulov versus any of those guys. It's the same problem that welterweight is having. Like just no one can break into that top five because no one in the top five is willing to risk their spot, and they all just want to fight each other. Uh, Michael Chandler being thrown to that top five a couple years ago obviously added another wrinkle to it it's i love the fight i really love this i love 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 everything the only thing wrong with this fight is it's not five rounds as a high level martial arts competition this checks all of the boxes i just wish it wasn't happening right this second now i'm not complaining that we're gonna watch it on saturday i just wish that like, like I, I'm going to keep talking about like when Gamrot fought Saruki and that could, that could have been a number one contender fight in like one or two years. That could have been a title fight one or two years. Could it have? I mean, it could have. The rematch could be for that too down the road. Like Armin Saruki and fought what Islam Mahachev in what his first second fight in the UFC. That right there, Maybe, like yeah. when Max Holloway, when Max Holloway fought Dustin Poirier for the first time. Max Holloway was like 21, 22, something like that. So we've seen it before. Like these things can happen. So. Love everything about this fight. I just wish it was in an arena and it was five rounds and there was more at stake for like the immediate winner, if that makes sense. 
No, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And that's sort of, I guess, where I'm coming from as well. It feels like this is just almost too early, right, to have this fight. But as much as I love it, like it is such a good fight. AK, is this fight to you illustrative of maybe the problem at 125 or at 155, but also like why this division is so good? Or do you actually like where the UFC went with this, pitting these two young up-and-comers up against each other rather than other options? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm focusing on the positive. Of course, I'd love to see monster kian in the mix there with like the the gate bees and the dustin poor michael chandlers i mean they, they you know just, just to give them that up but i also understand that's that right now that's not how things work so if we're if if the consolation is that we get two top prospects not prospects two top flight contenders having to face off having to put their like there were streaks on the line. Uh, well, I shouldn't say streaks, but we said, like we said, with Sarukian, uh, feels like he should, he's kind of on a win streak. Um, put their incredible records in the line, their incredible reputations. There's so much buzz around these two guys. Uh, and like with the Gamrod fight, I don't like to think that, oh, whoever loses is going to lose a lot. Because I think the Gamrod fight was an example of, man, both guys were elevated by it. Um, one, it helped that some people thought Sarukian won that fight, but it was just so competitive. One of the five best fights of the year. I have a feeling it's going to make the top five list uh, when we do the MMA fighting uh, year-end rankings pretty sure it's going to pop up on there i know it's uh my best friend mike heck's favorite fight of the year i don't know if it'll be his number one but it's like his personal his favorite fight of the year i know that that he really enjoyed watching and i know a lot of people uh share that sentiment so yes listen we can as i kind of said with the main event we can focus on rankings we can focus on oh what does this mean for both guys you know uh, uh contender chance title fight chances in the future or you can just focus on the matchup and how awesome it is i fully agree though with jose this should be a five rounder. I'm all I really really need to get around to making more five round main events. Uh, sorry, not main events. Five round fights, uh, you know, for matchups that are just worthy of it. Like, I, I don't know who could make these decisions, but whatever it is, pay the fighters more. If you want to give them a couple of extra rounds and let's get guys like uh, Isma Gulab and Sarikian on there for 25 minutes because it's it's weird. These guys both could be future champions. Uh, and in the case of Sarukian, he's taking so many of these tough fights like before he's even he's even close like none of these fights have been like a number one contender uh, uh two fights away it feels like he has such a long climb but look at this makachev in his first fight i believe is he was a replacement i don't think that's supposed to happen um future pfl champion olivier oben mercier and it was a pretty uh, millionaire yeah millionaire uh and that's a pretty clear win for sarukian matt frivola who's on a two-fight win streak right now uh, Joel Alvarez was on a four-fight win streak before he ran to Sarukian, and Sarukian just like annihilated him. So it's crazy. Uh, in some ways, it's good that he's that he gets to get all these tough competitive fights. He's only 26 years old. Iron sharpens iron. Who knows how good this will make him in the future? But it's also a tough break for him because he doesn't really get to kind of pad his record um, like a lot of uh, like a lot of people coming up uh, had got to. Even like an Islam Makachev, who again one of the, maybe the best fighter in the world, had uh, you know. Got to, got to avoid fighting some ranked opponents on his way up. Uh, Sarukian has not had that luxury. So, But again, I don't want to focus on that. I just like that we get to see Sarukian fight Ismagulov sooner rather than later. That's a that's a plus in my books. I'll tell you what, AK. That first fight between Gamron and Sarukian is not in my top five fights. <gasps> on my, it's hard, that man. Be, that is solely because my rankings are based solely on ones I witnessed live. Ah, but that is very clearly one of the five most entertaining fights. <laughs> it's hard this year, man. Like this is a tangent. Is. We will actually talk about this later on. Uh, we're going to do a year end award show this year in a couple of weeks. But like when you're putting together these top fives, I did not realize how 
much I was going to have to leave out. Like there are so many good results, whether it's knockout, submission, fight, whatever. Like there are a lot of, of categories where I'm feeling bad about what I'm having to leave out of my top five. You, you don't realize how good this year was since you're really looking at it all in retrospect. Um, Jose, I mean, AK ran down the line there of Armand Sarukian's UFC resume so far. And it's really monstrous when you look at sort of the lineups that he's been getting, the, the type of opposition he's he's been going against. I mean, he has not gotten a lot of easy favors, and he's done very, very well with it up to this point. Demir Ismagulov has sort of been on the side doing a lot of this um, – I would say without a lot of eyes on him, right? He's not getting big names. He's not getting big matchups. This is sort of the coming out party opportunity for him. When you look at both these guys, though, I think obviously they're both the future at 155. But who do you like more? Like who's a bigger threat in your mind at 155? Hmm. I think Armin Sarukin is more dangerous. I think Demir Ismagulov's style will lead to a longer career, like a longer sustained success because he doesn't make a lot of mistakes and he doesn't take a ton of damage. Armin Sarukin doesn't... I'm not saying Armin Sarukin is in these like fight of the nights, fight of the years like Michael Chandler, but he gets in these back and forth fights. And I think if you look at Demir Magula's resume, his wins in the UFC, we understand that beating Guram is not easy to do whatsoever. What was that, his second, third fight in the UFC. Gurum's first win, Gurum's debut was a win over Gamera. The guy we were just talking about that beat Armin Sarukian and Gurum beat him. And then obviously Joel Alvarez, Thiago Mo- for UFC headliner, Thiago Moises, who lost to Islam Mahachev and then Joel Alvarez and uh, Rafael Alves and all that. So he's has a very, very difficult resume too. It's that lightweight is so stacked that you could be ranked 19 to 25th and you're still a world beater. So I think his style of fighting will lead to a longer sustained success, but right now in 2022, I think Armin Tarukin is more dangerous. It's tough. It's tough. That is one reason why, I, as much as we talk about it in the intro of this fight, like I still really do love this fight ultimately. Mm-hmm. It is the people's main event for a so reason. Good. AK, you've been known to matchmake a bit, just a little bit. You dabble again. Uh, is there a chance that the winner of this fight gets one of those high-profile names next? Whether it's like a Tony Ferguson, whether it's a Michael Chandler, whatever. You know the names that I'm talking about, the names that are sort of squatting on these rankings at 155. Is there a chance either of these dudes gets it next? No. <laughs> that's my that's my Back. firm answer. I'm, this, this is at a glance. Uh, obviously, no one's getting a title shot. And then behind Islam, you have Charles Oliveira, Poirier, Gaethje, Dariush, Chandler. I mean, the UFC does hate Benil Dariush, so God knows they might they might make him uh, fight one of these guys. I don't know, but I I doubt it. I think he's done enough to stay slightly above them tier wise and not have to fight one of them. Uh, Michael Chandler, no. I mean, listen, he's been trying to speak the Conor McGregor fight into existence, and it is possible it might actually happen. I don't know. A lot of people think it's a good option. Then you get to like Fiziev, Tony Ferguson. Again, Gamrat Srukian already fought him. Um, it's they're just not they're just not going to get into that top six or top seven though. That's the issue. Like I, I feel like um, 
they're going to keep mashing these guys who are not quite at that that a level of of uh, notoriety against each other uh, again and that's fine again for us as fans that's cool we get to see these fun matchups uh from, from as jose said anyone from like 10 to 30 in the lightweight division it's like a sick matchup uh so it's great for us as fans it does suck a little bit for sarukian and, and ismagula but they're you know what they're they're uh, Ismagulov is maybe just in his pro- house. Ismagulov, twenty something, twenty, oh, not even thirty. Neither guy's even thirty. Uh, Surkian, I don't even think is in his is in his athletic prime yet. Um, so maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing they don't actually get these big fights yet. But hopefully by the end of twenty twenty three, one of these guys is fighting a top eight guy, or at the very least is you know where is is on in talks to or has the fan support to like yeah why isn't this this guy you know fighting a top eight guy um because right now I, i'm not feeling that push that ground roots push for either of them maybe i'm wrong social media if i'm wrong let me know but i i feel like again most people are kind of just enjoying where these guys are now and not uh not necessarily demanding that they the doors be knocked down for them i think they're gonna have to have a guy like like when tony fought charles Oliveira. Like and Charles won. That was like his big push. I think the winner of this should fight Dan Hooker on that Perth card because Dan Hooker is down to fight any human being on that card. Dan Hooker might not have the ranking, but he has the name. If that makes sense, like he's gonna get the city kickboxing push. He's very popular. He's coming off a win. The winner of this should fight Dan Hooker in Perth. Ah oh, man, I just the slow crawl of the lightweight division is just. So frustrated because I don't even know that a Dan mm-hmm. Hooker fight gets you to to a, a Justin Gaethje fight or a Michael Chandler fight or anything like that, right? Like it's well, the incremental I want, game. I, self- I selfishly want Fiziev to fight Justin Gaethje, so I'm not gonna have either of the winners of the main event fight either man because I don't want to lose that fight. Chandler's probably gonna fight Connor. Dustin's probably gonna hang out for a bit. Charles already said he's taking a break. Gamrod just beat uh, Sarukian. RDA is going up to welterweight. Jalen Turner just has shoulder surgery. Moicano, I guess, is there too. So, like, literally, the next man up are just Moicano and Den Hooker, process of elimination. And Den Hooker is the more popular fighter. I mean, money Moicano is coming on. You never know. Uh, all right, Jose, how are you seeing this going, man? I think, like I said, I think Sarukian is more dangerous right now. And I, I, people know that I've, I've been a fan of Gam. I've been talking about Gamera since before he's even got into the UFC. And I, I, I believe I scored it for Gamera. I can't remember how he scored that fight against Sarukian, but a win over Gamera is is huge. I think right now Sarukian gets it done. I think he's more dangerous. I think is Magulov. His style is is he negates his opponent's strengths, if that makes sense, and he. Once you run out of things to do, he just use he his game plan is to just dominate you. I don't think he can do that against Armin Sarukian, who is so so good at fighting. I think right now Armin Sarukian gets it done. I'm going to say three round decision. If it was five, I bet he could get a finish. But right now, I think he gets I think he gets it done. Three like 29, 28 maybe. But I think he I do think he wins. I'm not saying robbery, controversial, whatever. I think he wins. A comfortable decision. Comfortable decision. All right. AK, do you see the same? You going mm-hmm. Sarukian on this one? Uh, Jose just suggested the possibility of a, a, a he said he said it won't be a robbery, but just the word triggered me. It's been mm-hmm. a, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a year. It's been a year, guys, of uh, some pretty controversial fights 
uh, with some pretty controversial figures, and my mind is just uh, has just partially melted from uh, hearing that word. But um, yeah, I I'm, I agree that uh, Surkian's going to win. I think he's going to finish him. I think he'll be the first guy to finish Ismagulov. Maybe I'm just being uh, optimistic, and I want to witness something I've never seen before. Um, but I love. I love that Surukian is a finisher. Uh, Esmukulov hasn't really properly finished a fight in a while. I think he's some uh, looking at his record. Uh, one one uh, by hand injury. His opponent injured his hand, so that was his last finish. He hasn't actually finished someone in five years. So, which isn't to say that he hasn't dominated some of his opponents. Just like I like to see that extra gear. I like to see that killer instinct. I think Surukian has that right now. Um, easier said than done against a guy like Esmukulov who has. Excellent defense uh, in striking out on the ground, but um, I'm super, super high in Surukian, and I really want to see him his run start now. I'm being a little impatient, you know. I said I was saying earlier, like, oh, he hasn't even hit his prime yet. There's still plenty of time for him more big fights and going to run. I just want that run to start now. I'm, I'm such a fan of his fighting style, and um, so this is maybe this is, a, this is more of a vibes pick, as Jed Mishu would say. But I'll go Surukian by uh, TKO round two. Wow. I'm, I'm a little surprised by this. I have to say, I mean, Jose picking a comfortable decision and you picking a finish. Uh, I, it's a hard thing to pull off against Amiris Magulov. I, it's just so difficult against, against someone with that type of varied skill set. I, I have to make it unanimous for us, though. I, I, I as well go in Armand Saruki, and I've been so high on this guy for a while. To me, he looks and feels like a future champion, and I, I even scored the Gamrot fight for him as well. In my mind, he's on a six-fight win streak, and I, I rate Gamrot incredibly incredibly highly in this division so the fact that he was able to if not win at least have that competitive a fight that to me speaks volumes uh but i do think this one will be much more competitive than it feels like maybe you guys are saying i I think this might be a close decision i don't see anybody getting finished i could see a split decision going either way uh but ultimately i will side with arwan suruki as well now, fellas, let's look at the rest of this card because I think there's a lot of nuggets here. There's a lot of little good good picks all around up and down the undercard and the main card that you could really throw a dart at and enjoy. Uh, we'll start with you, Jose. I mean, what else is grabbing your attention on this card? I believe you're muted. I was indeed muted. Um, let's see. I am very hyped to watch Amir Albazi fight. I think he's going to fight for UFC championship at some point. I was very like before his, his original opponent was Alex Perez before Alex Perez pulled out of that fight. I don't know which fight I was more intrigued by the Sarukian, uh, the Sarukian fight versus Ismagulov or the Albazi versus Alex Perez fight. Because Alex Perez, obviously one of the best flyweights in the world, uh, has been for a very long time, fought for the title, is one of the rare f- flyweights that routinely gets finishes in this division. Amir Albazi took a long break for like injuries and and so on and so forth. He is so good at, at mixed martial arts. I'm pretty sure his only loss is to. MMA fighting's friend Shorty Torres, and that was like back in the Brave CF scene. I think Amir Albazi in he's not going to fight for the title anytime soon, but I think he's like one of the like the Sarukians, the Gamrots, the Ismagulovs. Where when you watch him fight, you can very easily picture him fighting for a title. Like I think in a few years, when Mohammed Mahaya fights Amir Albazi, that's going to be bananas. So that is, I am very excited to watch Amir Albazi fight on Saturday. AK, 
What about you, man? Are you are you all hopping up on the Albazi train too, or are you looking elsewhere? I'm a fan for sure. Uh, he's not ranked in the MMA Fighting Global rankings, but he is a leading Farve. He has appeared. He appears on three out of the eight ballots, so he's right up there. Uh, he's he's on the cusp. As Jose said, maybe inactivity has kind of you know um, spoiled his his chance to really rise up the ranks quicker. But he's right there, and also now, unfortunately, losing out on an opponent um, in uh, uh, Alex Perez. Is Alex Perez, and then Brandon Royval, right? He was did but we're both stepping in. Yeah, both of it was oh. originally Perez. He pulled out, and then Brandon oh, Royval pulled out. So either one of those wins, yeah. you're a top five UFC flyweight, and yeah, you're probably yeah. a winner two away from fighting for the title. Oh man, that's tough. That's tough. And um, uh, I was just about to say, like this card, I thought after it lost its original opponents, its top ranked opponents, maybe should have been bumped down, but uh, only because I'm a little surprised that they didn't give a little more shine for Manel Cop and uh, David Dvorak. Now I'm running. I got a poll going here, guys. Can it? Uh, uh, what UFC Vegas 66 fight are you most looking forward to? Pop this at the beginning of the show. We got a pretty big sample size here. Uh, Surkian Imzmogulov was leading for a while, but right now, 41% Cannoneer Strickland. So maybe I talked it down a little too much. Maybe this is a more intriguing main event that I'm giving it credit for. And number second, Surkian Imzmogulov, 33%. Dober versus Green, 23%. And Cap uh, versus Dvorak at 3%. Like nothing for Cap versus Dvorak. And that's a shame. Not a shame on the people who voted, but I think for the UFC for bearing this fight so far down the card. Uh, that's a really great matchup in the flyweight division. And I would have liked to have seen that if there was only if there could only be one flyweight bout on the main card, I probably would have gone with the, uh, with Captain Devorak. It, it was originally uh, Albazi originally had two different mm-hmm. opponents, so normally the UFC won't like reshuffle you. Um, you know, if you lose your opponent, especially a little bit later in in the in the planning stages, as it were. So that's fine. But uh, uh, my sleeper, I'm really excited about Cap Dvorak. I I I've been very critical of Cap. I think people know I'm not like I haven't been on the bandwagon as much when he came over from Ryzen and had some like tough decision losses. And everyone was telling me he's like, oh, he's like he's he's gonna be like he's a, he's still a top five guy like as far as talent and because of what he accomplished outside the UFC. And I'm like, okay, I need to see it, but. He's put together some really, really nice finishes, and uh, he's facing once again facing someone with an alliterative name, uh, as pointed out by I think E. Spencer Kite pointed out on Twitter. Ode Osborne, Zalga Zumagulov, now David Dvorak. What a strange coincidence! So we'll see if the the consonant killer or the alliterative assassin can get it done. Uh, that alone is enough to make this the, the sleeper fight uh, of the card for me. And the winners of the flyweight fights need to fight each other. That's what needs to happen. Oh, Amir Al-Fazi versus if it's if it's uh, if it's Amir Al-Fazi, that's Manel Kapp's next victim. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh there we go. It's all, match, it's all coming together. <laughs> it's all coming together right now, fellas. I love it. You love to see it. Uh, those were both fine choices, gentlemen. Uh, AK, you glossed over it, I, and you didn't even you kind of lingered on it for half a second. You didn't go into it. Bobby Green versus Drew Dober is just going to be absolute mm-hmm. bananas for however long that lasts. Like those two gentlemen are just maniacs in the best kind of way. And I'm very excited for whatever that is going to produce because that's going to be fireworks regardless. But I have to say for my low key fight on this card, I'm looking down a little bit and I'm looking at someone who I think could be one of the most intriguing guys in 2023 moving forward and if, that's at least if he wins this weekend and that's jake matthews and maybe that's maybe that doesn't extreme excitement for some i mean jake matthews is a guy who's been in the ufc a very long time at this point he started extremely young he was the raul roses jr before raul roses jr right i think he got in at like 19 or 20 um and he has sort of bounced around 
and gone win-loss, win-loss. He's run some and then eventually loses some, but he has found his way and really matured into it seems like who Jake Matthews is kind of going to be uh, at, at his peak in the UFC right now. Because if you looked at his last fight, I was I came away so impressed from, uh, I believe it was Andre Fialo when they fought in June. That looks like a different version of Jake Matthews, right? Like that looks like a Jake Matthews who had finally figured himself out and become who he was supposed to be. And he looked like a physical force out there in that fight. And if that Jake Matthews can now start to make waves in this welterweight division, I am very very excited for the potential that he could have. So I, I, this fight against Matthew uh, Semmelsberger, I really like this fight. I think this could be the one that sort of propels Jake into maybe that discussion where we're starting to rank him in the top 15 and we're starting to pit him against these top 15 guys. Uh, I'm, I'm here for it because this is someone who, again, he's been in life a long time. He's only 28 years old. It's one of those you just you, he's been around for so long, you think he's older, but he is he's just in the prime of his career, and I think he's ready to make a run. All right. I, I love it. Jake Matthews made me look like a fool in that last. Not look like a fool. I think I my prediction was right in a rap when the Andre Fialio fight. If you can go back and, and watch that episode, that uh, that pre- what what card was that? That was the uh, UFC 275. Singapore. Go, oh, Singapore. Yeah. Singapore. UFC 275 preview show where I said, well, I'm picking Fialio because I think Fialio is such an aggressive guy. He's a real fighter's fighter. Like Jake Matthews is a martial artist, but Fialio is a fighter. Like this guy goes in there to finish, not just to do martial arts. And on Fight night, Jake Matthews came out like an absolute maniac. Uh, I mean, a technically skilled maniac, like peace, Andre Fialio up, picked his spots beautifully, got a highlight reel knockout. It was amazing. And I was I was wrong to I was wrong to question him, but not wrong to say that, like, you know, he 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 needed to show I, I think that he needed to show more because and he showed a lot. All questions answered. Jake Matthews is a martial artist, and Jake Matthews is also a hell of a fighter. He's going in there to finish, so uh, that was awesome. And yeah, against a guy like Semmelsberger, great matchup. Semmelsberger is a big KO guy. He's going to go in there. He's going to get leave openings for uh, for Jake Matthews to maybe get another highlight reel finish. I lo- love the matchmaking here, Shaheen. Excellent choice excellent choice yeah i just loved how mean jake looked in that fight right like that's i feel like what we've been waiting for i've never seen that before from him mean streak and he he came out looking to hurt someone and i i think by the time this is done by by the end of this he will be a very good case study for why we can't judge these prospects too early right because again this is someone who took eight years more or less to kind of reach the person the fighter that he maybe is now and you know it's not it's not always a straight line these roads as with these prospects sometimes there's twists and turns and winding roads ahead uh so casey let's get you in here my man uh and let's uh let's see what the peeps are saying what what, what are we uh hearing on the mma fighting live the chat the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba DraftKings brings you same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. No, it's really interesting about the Jake Matthews thing, because, I mean... I, I wish we had like archives to go to, like say when um, Mahachev got knocked out by uh, who knocked him out. It was uh, um, uh, the oh, guy that cowboy hit. It was a jujitsu guy. <laughs> but like, I really wonder, like, like were, were any of us going like, oh, he's done? You know, it's like, you know, I, I, I just, I'm really just like. Because, like, no, uh, Arman and is, is Magulov, like, someone's going to lose. It was, it was, it was Adriano Martins, who's actually a knockout artist. Oh, yeah, Martins, sorry. I was, I, was thinking, I was thinking of the gentleman that knocked out uh, Kevin Lee. Yeah, I know, uh, but, but regardless, yeah. he got knocked out by a much less worthier opponent in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things. But, like, I, I think that co-main event, like, with Jake Matthews or Zerukian, is Magulov, like, someone's going to lose. But that loser could still easily potentially be a future title contender or champion. It's, it's just that's how much talent it is. And Jake Matthews, obviously, lots of losses. But, man, he is. We're going to see if it was just a really good night or if he's now the deal. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even remotely sold on Jake Matthews right now. He beat Andre Fiala, who had three fights in like 10 weeks <laughs> and then got smashed in his next fight. I think Jake Matthews is very, very good. I, well, I, I think Matthews Semmelsberger is also very, that, very good. You're not yeah. If he goes out there and beats Matthew Semmelsberger, I'm still not completely sold because Matthew Semmelsberger has, what, I think it's him and Rumble have, like, the most sub-minute or sub-30-second, like, stoppage wins. But I one think, of they're, them the, I think they're, the, they're the only two fighters to have two 20-second yeah, or less one of, knockouts in US history. But one of them is Martin Sano, and that just uh-huh. doesn't count. So even if you beat Matthew Semmelsberger, who has fantastic tattoos, by the way, I still need to see more from Jake Matthews. So but see, that to me, change your opinion, uh, Matthews coming out of tomorrow night. I mean, he has a doom tree tattoo right in the center of his heart. That's pretty badass. I like I like the metrics with which you judge these fighters, Jose. But that to me is like really illustrative of actually why I'm so fascinated by him and just generally these guys who have been around for so long that ha- that started so early. Because you're right, I think a lot of people probably feel the same as you, Jose, and that's 
uh, again, illustrative of just like, we have so much personal history with Jake Matthews at this point. We feel like we know who Jake Matthews is, even if, you know, he may have yeah. leveled up and elevated to someone else. It takes a long time to break through whatever that initial perception is of these fighters. And that's to me is a really fun part of just watching these guys career. Uh, but yeah, Casey, what do we, uh, what do we hear from the people? Uh, not too many questions, but, um, you just kind of throw it. Oh, that's way too tiny. Hold on. Do, 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 do. Also, I saw someone ask about my shirt. I'm repping the man, John Anik. One more sleep. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great shirt. You're not, you're not repping the suns right now. Well, you know, it's tough times over here in Phoenix. So, uh, get a, get they're a little above, They're about 500. I mean, I'd, I'd envy that at this point. That's true. It's tough times in Toronto too. <sighs> Uh, all right, know this what that's about. From, <laughs> well, this one's coming from Chase C, who says, if Sarukian has a dominant performance, do they finally give him someone in the top five? And we, we addressed this earlier, but I, I, I don't think so. I think those dudes Hell are just squatting. No. Those dudes are squatting to fight each other. Let's, because they know what's coming. They know what's coming. Like, the risk is not is there. on the UFC. The UFC keeps offering these fights. I mean, and I, I know you can't force them to fight each other, these lower rank guys, but... I think AK had it right. Uh, it's probably gonna—it's gonna be Darius. <laughs> I guess they're short. <laughs> let's let's entertain this though, and let's look at the UFC's top five. Yeah, I guess. Uh, okay, so the UFC's top five outside—the uh, not that the champion is unranked. He's champion. Number one, Charles Oliveira. Number two, Poirier. Number three, Gaethje. Number four, Darius. Number five, Chandler. I, I, yeah, I guess Darius is the only Who one. Among that is gonna take that fight at all. Darius, because he doesn't say no to anything, even though he should. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, Armin Sarukian has more main events than Benil Dariush. Let's wow. make it happen. Wow. But it's interesting what, what, what AK just said because Dariush should probably take it even though he shouldn't. So, like, we're actually in agreement like with these top five guys squatting on their spots. It's like, we hate it, but we also go, that's definitely the right move. It's a, it's a weird It's the right move for, for their own personal careers, but it's also incredibly frustrating because even you look one spot down on that top five, right? Fiziev. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably a level elevated above the, our two our two fighters we're talking about is Magulov and Sarukian, and even he can't convince Justin Gaethje to fight him. So it's just like well, Justin Gaethje. Whole- Justin Gaethje said he at the he did he was a guest scrum in New York, and he said he was down to fight Fiziev, but he just had no surgery, so he couldn't sure. fight that him right it now. It took it took a long time for him to get to that point where he said, "Yeah, sure, I'll fight him." Mm. Because there were a lot, there was a while where he's like, "Yeah, like, what does that fight really do for me?" Type of thing, and it's just that's what all of these guys are facing. And it's because honestly, Darius should be fighting for the championship. It's just no one's arguing that Volkanovski doesn't deserve a lightweight title shot. Yeah. All right. Um, so the answer was no. Probably no. <laughs> It'd be cool. It'd be cool. I would love to watch Charles Oliveira versus Armin Sarukian. You know, like that's a great awesome. fight. All right. Uh, more of a comment force daniel says this is a hardcore mma fans dream card for a fight night at the apex yeah it's hard hard to argue that right i mean jose you've been in attendance for plenty of those apex shows like this feels like it would be a cool Mm -hmm. uh fight night for that type of environment yeah i'm not a guy that hates on the apex fight cards this is definitely a fun one I mean, the live aspect of it is a lot different than the broadcast aspect of it. Cause the very much so. It's very, very much so. I think yeah. if watching it on TV, it, it is sterile. Watching it live, it is so fun. It is it's so, so fun. fun for 15 people. 
That's the problem. Yeah. And for, it's, it, well, there's, so, and, there's and for 15, 15 people, 15 people, people can't create stars. I mean, I, I can't think of a particular fight in particular, in particular fight in particular, but uh, like so many of these fights that have been in big arenas, they've, if they, you, you just know, if they were in the apex, it'd be like, cool fight, moving on. But now they become oh, legendary, yeah. you know. Well, you get, you get like Tai Tuivasa doing shoeies with the crowd. You get, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Patty yeah. Pimblet crowd. I'm not, I'm not crowd. arguing that the apex is better than an arena. I'm just, I think being there live, a lot of people that just complain about the apex, if they go to an event live, they will have less negative things to say. But I will sure. choose a full out arena every time, every fight. Yeah, that's fair. But there's, but there's so no reason for the UFC to be doing this other than just like, well, we don't we'll have to. Yeah, they're Cough. not. They're going to. They're going to hotel in Vegas in March at the new Virgin Hotels Arena. All right, so that's gonna be they're, like they're branching out. <laughs> Going down the street. No, I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a theory, and this is based off of no information given to me that we're gonna get the much, much demanded live finale for Power Slap that same day. So the Apex might be in use. <sighs> Can't wait. <laughs> Power Slap. Um, <laughs> let's get a couple, couple more, and then we'll get out of here with this one. Does Darren Wynn get cut? Oh, Duran. Duran, sorry. Duran. As soon as I said it, I was like, I messed that up. But <laughs> yeah. I, don't know what I hope not. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think so. Do you guys think so? It's tough. I think if he would have lost, yes. But the fact that he got, he, you know, passed out and knocked himself out, I don't think they're going to cut him off of getting injured like that. But yeah, he's just, he's on a, on a one fight losing streak. Um, I think it was just a weird thing. He's lost. That yeah. He is three of four, yeah. but three of he's in a one and three. But stretch. three of four, and yeah. one of them he missed weight, and one of them, he, and one of them he popped, and one of them he missed weight, and then he got finished. So it's like every single fight there was other other factors in it. So if he would have lost, I, bet, I feel like this yeah. would have been it. But I think the fact that people even know who he is is kind of a thing because I know there's so many 0-2 whatever guys who are still in the UFC and like and they come up on an Apex car we're like I never heard that name before and then we look it up in Tapology it's like oh I've actually interviewed that guy and I've seen him fight four times you know (laughs) you know what I mean like but so I think Jerome went just I don't know uh, even though he might he's not a world beater but there's something unique about him and uh, I hope he doesn't get cut just it's it's always well, he's, he, it's always yeah. fun to watch well, him fight because you think, go, man, he's, he's short. <laughs> I think a large part of that is probably his connection to Daniel Cormier, right? Like, yeah, he is he's sort DC's of. I, there, a lot of these guys can they they'll be like a Nate Diaz teammate or a DC teammate or something. And when you have that close connection to someone that we intimately know and, and follow, and is someone that is that popular, like that certainly helps. <laughs> David Sandine says her Doug Crosby is working tomorrow. Yeah, well, he may be. Not. He, he, there's nothing. Hopefully not. Well, but why wouldn't he be? There's no, at least publicly, there's no. Is there any ramifications or any consequences for any of his judging cards last week? <laughs> Casey talking about oh, consequences I, for <laughs> MMA judges. What are you? I, I toss out day? these softballs and then you come on, knock them out the park. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Well, hopefully, not. Uh, hopefully not. Casey, did you see the underdogs question from Forrest Downs? Five underdogs. Forrest Downs said, I have five underdogs to win on Saturday. 
who are our most confident undercard picks, uh, underdog picks, excuse me, on this card. Ooh, let me look um, who are the underdogs? Well, I think some of them would surprise you because, so I, sure, I, I'm not going to sure. lie, I cheated, I just looked. Um, I'm a little surprised Saeed Nurmagomedov is apparently an underdog to Saeed Jakob Kakramanov in the Battle of the Saeeds. Uh, I'd have to check. I'm going off topology, so uh, I would check DraftKings. But again, we can't look at uh, at bets in Ontario uh, on DraftKings anymore. Thank you, uh, UFC and James Krause and Derek Minner. Um, so I'm going off topology, and apparently he's a very minor underdog. But I'm surprised he's an underdog at all. Uh, and I like Saeed Jakob uh, Kakramanov. I just thought Saeed Nurmagomedov. Um, I mean, just the Nurmagomedov name makes you what like like a minus 150 out of the gate. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I haven't examined the matchup enough. So there, there's one underdog I'm super confident in. Um, and Corey McKenna is also an underdog. And I like Cheyenne Felismus. She, she is an underdog. Why? Well, that's on topology. She's a favorite. On topology. As far she as is, more people are picking her to win. Than, right. That's um, why I'm surprised. She's plus 160 according to the betting odds in topology. Right. So, uh, like so that, that means in, in other sites, she must be having around plus 150, plus 140, yeah. some of that, but she shouldn't be an underdog. At all. Like, this is, should be more of a pick. Um, I'm kind of with the, with the topology people here. I'm going, I'm probably leaning towards McKenna. So I'm surprised she's the underdog. She is very young, um, just 23 years old. And uh, you know, there's, there's it, always inconsistency. You never know what to expect, but I just kind of like her ceiling a lot more. Um, and maybe that's how yeah. the, um, the odds makers are viewing it, that you know, like Cheyenne Blissmas is a little more mature, it's a little bit older. But I like the skill ceiling of McKenna a lot more. So those are two think, underdogs I like a lot. I think I think we're going to find a lot. We're going to find out a lot about the winner of that fight because neither mm-hmm. women's wins have substantially aged well. Mm. So a win over the other ones will – this the winner of that fight will get a lot of answers out of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why has um, uh, Velismas? If I'm remembering Velis- correctly, why has Velismas been out for so long? She's been out for a year. Is it injury? Do we know? Um, there was a lot of personal go, stuff going on. Yeah, read well. or listen or yeah, you can go read, listen or watch uh, some interviews with Mike Heck on Mike Heck on MMAfighting.com. It is there. It's like her story to tell. I feel like a lot of stuff okay. going on in her personal. Yeah, life. okay, that's what I thought. I thought yeah. it was like mm-hmm. she had like some mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm outside issues okay i just double checking she wasn't in the country for a while yeah yeah all right all right yeah uh, all right yeah cool um all right any more are we uh i think it's a pick em. i think the main event's a pick em. i don't think the main i don't think he's an underdog on uh i am a little I am a little bit surprised that Sarukian is such a heavy favorite. I expected that one to be closer to a pick'em, but yeah. he's more than two to one mm-hmm. on a lot of sports books. But I think it's just a lot of people are really high on Armand Sarukian. I think we're picking a competitor, right? Is- but we we still got Sarukian. So I'm picking Sarukian too, and I think it's a freaking awesome fight. But all four of us are still picking Sarukian. So it was one of those good fights, but we're all going the same way. <laughs> yeah. What is the line of- for? What is the line for Alex Caceres and Julian Arosa, a fight that no one talks about on this preview show? Uh, Alex Caceres, the underdog. Slight yes. underdog, so around, around plus one. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. The books that are finally giving too. Juicy J a little bit of yeah. respect. Yeah. Uh, I thought we'd go a major, He's a major favorite on top. I thought we'd whole show yeah. that. That, dude. Oh, I thought we'd go a whole show without Julian having Arosa to hear that nickname, but there we are. Juicy J's wins over like Charles Jordan and Akeem Duwadu and who's in like the, there's someone sandwiched between there 
are so impressive. Like I'm really happy he's finding success now. And I, I've obviously I've been a big Alex Harris fan for a long time. Fun guy. The original weeb. We were robbed of but we were robbed of having Juicy J and the Raw Dog on the same card. And I mean, I, I say were. robbed. I think that's a good, I think that's a good thing. Uh, but I'm sure there's a lot of people. Why out does who Juicy really annoy you? What's wrong with Juicy J? Because there's only one. There's because there's only one Juicy J. Academy Award winner, Juicy J. Yes. <laughs> Put some respect on the name. There you go. Well, who is? Let wait, me ask, real quick. Who's, who's real that? quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy we it's got the rapper of Juicy J, part of Three Six Mafia. Oh, from, oh, from Hustle and Flow, the the that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh I didn't know. Mafia, that. come on, man. You're, you're better than okay, this. That's I, like I know. that's cool. like if I cool. that's like if I became a professional fighter and my nickname was Brad Pitt. Same thing. I'm naming myself it's, after an Academy Award winner. It, yes, it's not just that. It's I, I I I listen. I'll say it. I'm not comfortable describing another man as juicy. All right, I'll say it. All right, maybe I need to. Oh, I need to grow up. Maybe I need to become more enlightened, more in touch with my masculinity. I don't. I can't call another man juicy. But when we talk about Julian Rosa, it's officially his nickname. We have to call him Juicy J. I respect that. But I'm not a fan. I don't like calling another man juicy. I don't want to do it. AK, it's 2022. Get with the time. I know. Wow. Come on. I know. Come on. It's me. It's Real a me quick. problem. It's a me problem. It's not Julian Rosa. It's not a you problem. This is a me problem. Is Real it quick, just the word juice? Like juice? Are you a, not a Juice World fan either? It's the it's the oh. E sound that really gets me. Oh, juicy, okay. right, juicy. Right. We're really diving into some some parts of AK's psyche right now. Yeah, right? we don't have to. Uh, just real quick before we get out of here just throwing this out here obviously uh we've been talking quite a bit about patty pimblett over the last week he has quite a history with, with juicy j your favorite ak they have mm -hmm. uh you know speaking of robberies i think there there is one in the in the coffers that you could go back and look at uh that they fought in cage warriors that juicy j was not very happy with the result in that one i think you've actually done a robbery re review for that ak mm -hmm. throwing it out there you could throw it back is there any chance at all that if Juicy J does something spectacular this week, he could finagle his way into a rematch with that man? No, no, no. But now that you've mentioned it, God, it, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? It would make so much sense to run that back in uh, it, it, assuming Patty Pimblett is on that March card pay-per-view in London. Run it back with Juicy J. We know Arosa can fight at 155. Um, that'd be so cool. The storyline would be there. They could, I mean, Graham Boylan, you know, he should be excited about that. Bring up all that Cage Warriors footage, you know, give that promotion a little a little more gas. Um, it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I hope you have spoken this possibility into existence. We know if Arosa wins, he's going to be asked about it. I, I have to imagine someone will bring it up, someone, someone of the esteemed MMA media will bring it up, but um, if not, we gotta we gotta get this cooking. I I almost spoke spoke Patty Pimblett versus Tony Ferguson into existence, uh, Sheen, a matchup I know you love, and uh, perhaps you can do the same for for Julian Arosa. I'm just saying he's Wait, doing it himself a disservice if he doesn't bring it up. We don't we still don't like the Ferguson thing, Patty and Ferguson. We still don't like that. Well, we don't like it, Casey, it. and we're never gonna like it, and ah. we need to stop speaking about it. It's a great fight. I can't wait for it in 2023. All right, play the music. 
don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. UFC matchmakers, don't do it. Oh, man. Well, that was fun. Uh, we appreciate you guys, as always, for joining us. Thank you, Jose. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, AK. And really, again, thank you, fans. This is number 42 for the UFP event, at least. I'm sure we've done some preview shows for other things as well. But we've done a lot of preview shows over the course of 2022. And you've always just joined in and made us feel like family, made us feel loved, made us feel at home. And we appreciate you for that. Uh, and so for me, I am Sean Oshadi. Keep it locked to the MMA Fighting YouTube Network. We're going to have all your post-fight coverage tomorrow night on Saturday. And, and hey, tune in maybe for the final post-fight show of the year. We would love to have you. In the meantime, we love you guys. We'll see you. Enjoy the fights. Stay juiced. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.